The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by one excellent co-host. Laura Nash. Hello, Reagan. Hello, Laura. It's been a while since we've had an episode that was just the two of us. It has been a while, but we've been hanging out a lot together because we play this game at the same time across the country. We did. It was actually a really, really great game for that. So this week we were talking about a game called... Uh, I keep missing uh, up whether it's the curse of or the case of. The case of the golden idol, right? Yes. Yes, okay. The case of the golden idol, um, which is a sort of mystery deduction game from Color Gray Games. And uh, this one is, I'm really glad we played this together because the last time we've done this, it's been a while. The last time that we did a game where you and I sort of played it together over, well, I don't know what we used back then, but in this case, it was over Zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, That was uh, the return of the Obra Dinn. And uh, that worked out awesome uh, because I'm really not the puzzle guy, but I really, really wanted to play that game. And so I kind of played it with you over my shoulder virtually, and we made it through it um, and had, I thought, a, a wonderful time. And then this game came along and was getting so many comparisons to Obra Dinn, and we'll talk about why that's the case, uh, that uh, we decided we were going to do the exact same thing again. And this is a perfect game. If you're not the puzzle genius in your household, um, if you you know if you know somebody uh, who can kind of uh, double head this one with you, I think it's a really good game for that because I had a lot of fun playing this together with you, Laura, and kind of talking through all of the scenarios. And I think each of us sort of brought something to it and... Uh, we got through this thing without using the hint system. So we're not going to be discussing the hint system or how it works on this episode because we don't know. And yes, that is a flex. (laughs) Use it if you need to, because I mean, I I will say that in every, uh, in real life puzzle hunts, um, my motto is if you're not having fun, take a hint. And I do realize this in some people's eyes makes me a dirty cheater, but um, there's nothing worse than you and all of your friends staring at a sheet of paper angry at each other, angry at the world, getting a sunbird, and you could just take a hint and leave. Um, so please, like we didn't use the hint system because there were two of us and we could think through stuff. But if you're alone or even if you're a friend and you're not having a good time, there's nothing wrong with the hint system. This is my motto and one of the short game tenants. Yes. Laura was my hint system on this one. Um, but Laura, can you can you set up the game for us? Like, well, I mean, we 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 compared it already briefly to Obra Dinn, so maybe that'll be a touch point for folks if they're familiar. But if they're not, explain how this game works. So this game is a blend of a point and click in that there's exploration. You're looking at a uh, still life that's you know it's a little bit like the Street Fighter idle animation. People just go back and forth between two points. <laughs> I wouldn't have made that connection, but you're kind of right. Yeah, um, it's it's mostly a still frame, but there's some movement. But people are just kind of going back and forth between a main stage. It's almost like a freeze. Um, and then you are clicking around, exploring. People might have a piece of dialogue. You might be looking in their pockets, looking in their inventory. Um, you are going to be 
just looking around trying to gather clues. And once you have those clues, um, you can flip to the second screen, which is called the thinking screen, where there's a lot of fill in the blank things. People who played Oprah Den are going to be pretty familiar with this. It's um, You've collected words, and you're going to put those words in blanks to fill in things like so-and-so was killed at the beach. Like you're just filling in all of those blanks, Mad Lib style. Um, what's really fun about this is that um, unlike Oprah Den, it, all of the clues is, are kind of there. You don't have to move too much. It's all still photos. Like you're not like orienting. Yeah. The, the biggest distinction between this and Oberdin is Oberdin was played in first person 3D where mm -hmm. you are walking around a 3D environment in order to kind of investigate. This is it, it, Laura described it as like a point and click adventure game. It's basically that presentation. So it's that flat style. It's mm -hmm. so pixel. each like e uh, so there are multiple there are multiple chapters and each of them is made up of a different kind of moment. I, I don't know what you called those like acts or something within each chapter. Mm -hmm. um, and each act uh, usually usually they're more than one screen, but they're like maybe four or five max connected screens. Um, and there's always somebody dead. Uh, yep, maybe more than the one somebody. Unifying factor of the yeah. <laughs> every act has at least a dead body. So you're looking at okay, here's the dead body. You know who killed them or how did they die? Looking around the area, trying to see like what might have led up to the death. Um, and you're clicking on everything that you can. The game has an option to turn on or off little like highlights. We played with them on, which I think is the default experience. Highly recommend. Yes. The game is not finding things. No. Yeah, it's not a hidden object game, although you could kind of play it like one if you wanted. Um, but like you, you know, if you see something glowing, you click on it. And um, if it's something that gives you a clue about the solution to the the mystery of whatever you're you know observing, it'll add some words to a little bank at the bottom of your screen. I think it's always on screen, not just mm -hmm. on the thinking screen. Um, and it'll even tell you like you've collected 20 out of 35 of these word tokens or whatever, whatever kind of give you a sense of like how much of the scene and just sort of clicking around the environment you've explored. And once you've collected all of those word tokens, then you do the Mad Libs. Um, and uh, there's a lot of really clever things about the interface and presentation of that. Uh, maybe we should come to the like mechanics of of like doing the actual like word puzzle of it a little later and talk first a little bit about what the story is a little bit about and what it looks like first. Definitely. But I have one thing else to add. If you're you're still thinking, why is this unlike Oberdin? Each puzzle, each act is self-contained. So mm, Oberdin yeah. had continuous mysteries you were trying to solve where you finished a chapter, but you still were figuring out who was who on the ship and how all these other things happened. You will be able to fill in every blank on the screen, and then move on. So mm -hmm. it does have a connecting story, which is fun because, you know, you learn things in earlier chapters that do come back in later chapters. But I really appreciated that about it. I think it overall made it an easier experience than Oberdin. Yeah. Um, I loved Oberdin, but like it was a real challenge. This felt a lot more manageable, partly because it's 2D, partly because each kind of challenge or chapter or act or whatever you want to call them was was self-contained and you knew that you had all of the stuff you needed to to you know to solve each problem right there. I took notes so I wouldn't have to bother Reagan of opening and closing things that we've already looked at. But um, in Oberdin, the notes were essential. 
here, they just made my life easier. Yeah, it kind of it kind of felt like it was taking notes for you. Like as you'd click on things, it would um, it would like you know add those words to your pool. Um, I don't remember every detail of the way that Oberdin handled things, but like this, Oberdin had that whole book that you had to leaf through as you mm-hmm. were solving the, the puzzles, and it was a lot. It was it was a really really big puzzle. This it sort of feels like every chapter is like a cheat sheet from that book with different panels within it. So you'll have a panel that's just who killed who, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you might have a panel that has just the timeline. Or you'll have a panel that has other details out of the uh, out of the and each each uh, little mystery screen is a little different. So it'll have, you know, certain certain elements that might be unique to particular parts of the mystery. Um, But because that kind of panel that, you know, um, layout of the thinking screen is divided into these little panels, you get that. Uh, confirmation of whether you've guessed correctly on a per panel basis. And that really helps because maybe you, you know, think you've figured out like who killed who, but you don't know specifics of the motive yet. And maybe those are on separate panels. Then you can fill things in on one of the panels and get that little confirmation that says, yes, I'm correct about this. Maybe it removes some of the words that you've used from the board so that you don't have to have them cluttering up your screen and, and making it more difficult to guess. And you, uh, you know, you know, at least you're onto something and it gives you some clues to go on with the other portions of it. So love a measured out series of aha moments. But Reagan, what are we actually learning about in the game since I distracted you with mechanics? Yes. Well, the mechanics are super fun. That's really the draw here for me. But it is a fun story, too. Um, I actually really, really liked uh, exploring the story here. And it was was quite surprising. Some of the big surprises are stuff that we'll only be able to talk about after the spoiler. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it is a mystery story. We're not going to spoil any mystery stuff here. Maybe light spoilers for some of the non-puzzle related elements of the first couple of chapters on a meta Um, note my favorite thing about this game is that there are mysteries you fill in blanks for but half of what's going on the scene is in your head (laughs) like you are figuring out what's really going on um so we're going to be careful and not talk about that like meta mystery until after the spoiler break yes yeah so um so uh, the the overall plot starts in like the 1700s. I forget the specific year. I think it says in the Wikipedia. So I'm pulling that up in a tab. Yes. 1742. Uh, thank you. 1742. So it begins back in 1742. Uh, the first chapter or screen or what have you is someone, it's two someones who've clearly been arguing. They're on some kind of expedition and they've been arguing over a golden idol, the golden idol of the title. And one of them has pushed the other one over a cliff and that person is about to fall to their death. But of course you get a freeze frame in the middle of falling. And you know, in that moment you can go and look through all of their pockets and their bags and their books and get a sense of who they are and why one of them might be pushing the other. Uh, uh, And you know, your, your puzzle is to fill in the, the blanks of like, well, what is happening here? And the story continues from there. So, um, this is a story about, uh, specifically a golden idol. It stretches over, um, several decades at least. Uh, and, uh, each death is kind of a, um, uh, you know, an important moment in the history of the finding of this mysterious golden idol. Uh, it has a kind of a goofy plot and has some fun sort of like, this is a historical thing. It's set in the 1740s through eighties or nineties or something. 
Um, but it's uh, it, it's sort of like you know contrafactual history, not just because this golden idol is a fictitious thing, but because the, it goes in some sort of wild directions. Um, it follows the idol through the hands of you know the person who murders his expedition partner in order to get the idol, the people he passes it on to in his will, um, and the various weird things they get up to with it. Uh, and I don't think it's a big spoiler to explain that the idol has magical properties. Uh, and um, the specifics of what the idol can do of a magical nature um, become really important to the story uh, and uh, the various characters that are fighting over the idol and using it to uh, to you know get get up to no good basically um, any much more than that and I feel like I might be um, spoiling some of the fun plot stuff but I don't know Laura is there anything else you think we can talk about it's a, it's a story of secret societies and obviously murders and highwaymen and um, and government intrigue and uh, all sorts of other stuff um, but what do you is there anything you think we can talk about in terms of just plot generalities without without spoiling things for folks? I think we can talk about tone because this is a very very silly game about murder and death and destruction and explosions and all of that stuff. I think this is the type of game where there's graffiti on the wall that says like, you know, um, fat Lord sat here um, or that you look at someone's horse betting racing slips and figure out exactly how badly they're doing. And it's because the horses have funny names. It's not a humor game, but the tone is really light and charming. Um, it, could have gone a dark academia type route or like a really super scary secret society route. This is not a scary game, despite all the dead bodies. Uh, this is much more like a cozy mystery. Um, I think another thing to point out is that uh, I think there's a lot of fun with cliches. Like how did the poison get in the drink? Where did the key go? Like the gentleman robber. There's all those cliches of, uh, 1700s fiction and detective fiction show up in here. Um, mm -hmm. It's very fun. Uh, it's it really is. It has a very funny tone, um, and the art is also kind of adds to the humor. It, it's sort of an off-putting art style. Um, to my eye, it kind of feels like like outsider art or something, right? It has this. Um, it has the look of like weird bad portraiture done in inexpensive paint on the side of a van or something like but also you know via the the medium of pixel art it it, it just looks weird to me in an off-putting way characters are ugly it's like someone pixelated caricatures from newspapers and punch in the 1750s like yeah like yeah. it's that kind of elongated like people in wigs but they don't mm -hmm. have the right faces the scale is off some people look more cartoonish colored, than others so yeah. it looks weird because you never see that stuff colored in yeah, the, the developers said they were going for like a, um, you know, uh, uh, throwback to 90s adventure games. And I certainly see that in it. I mean, with the art style specifically, um, like nostalgic appeal, but it doesn't look like any 90s adventure game that I remember. It, you know, 90s adventure games had, I think, often more of a cartoony style than this. This has, it walks a weird line between like, I don't know, pixel art imitation of uh, of actual portraiture from the night, you know, the 17 somethings um, and like the you know, like a more modern pixel art style, a little bit of cartoonishness. It's a weird mishmash of art. And I would say that maybe the art style is something that might put some people off. 
I will yeah. admit that the first time that I looked at this game, I thought it looked ugly. Um, and that is something that actually ended up drawing me into it in the end is that it is a, it is an ugly game, <laughs> but it's ugly in a fun and funny way rather than being like unartful. You know what I mean? I didn't mind it because it was very packed. Um, so I think that uh, an art style that the developers have brought up is they mentioned William Hogarth, who did a lot of morality engravings of like that, that frozen in time where literally everybody in the scene is in peril. He's one of the famous ones um, on the Wikipedia page. If you're looking up William Hogarth, I'll say that slow so you can is um, of a woman who is uh, breastfeeding her baby and drinking gin and her baby is falling into the river because she's not paying attention. And there's a, in the background, there's a kid sharing a bone with a dog and like all these things are happening. That's kind of the vibe, especially as you get later in the game, there's more people doing various things. Um, and those are kind of ugly. So I kind of like, it's, it's not ugly in like a unintentional, it's not like a Rocco's modern life or Ren and Stimpy ugly. It's more like a, um, like a weird stretched version of things. It doesn't. Yeah. And I know Laura wasn't on the last episode, but this feels like a weird, uh, like duology. Pizza Tower. Because, yeah. Pizza Tower was also. <laughs> Pizza Tower you know, is intentionally ugly. This is oh, just yeah. like a little off. They're both, they're both like, um, wildly like, alienating art styles based on the 90s and the like art and cartoons and games of the 90s um they they take very different swings at that but it is kind of strange i'm i'm continue to be baffled by the the continuing resurgence of 90s nostalgia a time period that i regard only with deep embarrassment but um i i I do really like the approach that these guys took to this uh to this art style to me the vibes not so much the composition or the shape of things it's much more the colorization because there's a lot of brown a lot of gray a lot of like maroon like it's that navy on maroon on brown on ochre on evergreen um with red blood (laughs) like just bright red blood um that color scheme is not one that i have seen much since 90s or when you put your computer in dark mode so that's the vibe (laughs) it is a very unique looking game i also like i'm not sure where to put this in the in the context of the episode but i just want to say like i'm really glad to see imitators of return of the oberdin there Uh are so few of them um and it's it's a very hard thing to get right and i remember when we first played oberdin thinking and maybe even said on the episode that like this is this is new and in a year, there will be a hundred imitators of it. And we haven't really seen that. But I want more of them. I want, like, I don't care if, you know, this is definitely not a copy paste of that, the mechanics from that or the, you know, or really anything about it. But there are so few deduction games that have this approach to it. Um, I really, really like this and I want more of these. And, and uh, the, the developers apparently like specifically decided to make this game because they looked at the success of Obra Dinn and, um, you know, other games like it, they, they credit her story as another one, which I think is actually pretty different, but like mm-hmm. is also a deduction based kind of game. Um, and, you know, looked at that and said that, you know, this is, this is something there's clearly a market for, but there's just not a lot of these and, this isn't quite like a fast follow on Return of the Oberdin, but like it's n- it's not not. There's I, I'm, this I'm, feels like an easier model to follow because to me it it limits the input. Yeah, 
and it, it scales things down. Um, it doesn't try to do the intense graphics of the Oberdin. Yeah, this is like less ambitious than Oberdin, but Oberdin was like astonishingly ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, and also very inventive. It, you know, it, it, it's it's easier to uh, it's easier to do one of these um, once Oberdin exists than before it exists. You know, what I, I mean, mean, I want this mechanic i, I want eighteen thousand mysteries in this series like this is a I very know. i want i want i want Oberdin too but i also want golden idol too and i want uh i want you know i want the i want the one of these set in the 80s i want the one of these set in the future i want the one of these you know set in a cartoon like i i love these mechanics as a uh as a as a mystery solving you know interface well, i um, feel much smarter playing this than i do a lot of mystery games where it's choose the three like one of these three is right. Yeah. Um, I think this is much better. And I, the developers credited the error message to um, it's uh, the exact wording is two or fewer slots are incorrect. Um, that that is brilliant. You that can't it, like, brute force, but yeah. you know most of it's correct. And sometimes you are like, am I even in the right ballpark and filling in the sentence? So let's let's talk some more about the mechanics. I think we're at the point where we kind of need to get into like what is so brilliant about the the way this plays out. You know, we already talked about how you find the sort of word tokens that become kind of the the thing you're shuffling around trying to figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and we mentioned the the idea of that like this being kind of like a Mad Lib. Um, but what's really clever about it, I don't think we've talked about yet, is that it gives you these tokens of various different colors. So names are in one color. Um, there will be verbs in another color. Uh, there are objects in another color. And I forget if there's any others. Sometimes there's some special case stuff. Uh, things um, like the order or king are in blue. I don't know what yeah, the category I is, but like authority members, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, but um, so you get all of these different options and that that usually leaves you in any particular you know you get the structure of the sentence of you know, or maybe several sentences that says you know so and so we know it's a person uh, uh wanted to blank so and so because blank so and so blanked the blank and like that's what you get <laughs> and that's not but much it, to but go you on. actually read it it's like gray gray orange blue like you're actually piecing it together and it's actually way easier than trying to be like adjective verb because you can just color match it's it's way it sounds very strange describing on a podcast but it's super natural just go okay like most of the time you don't need this much but on the last screen we were able to say like oh this must be this word or one of these three words because nothing else fits here Mm -hmm. um you can actually use language as a deduction tool if you're stuck, which is nice. Yeah. I also think it's interesting that like you get all these tokens and you can put them into slots, but tokens can be in more than one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's not always obvious because like once you lock a token into place, it might take it out of your little bay of unused tokens at the bottom and stick it somewhere. But you can essentially kind of copy paste tokens between places on your setup too. So you might have one token that says killed, but you might use it three different times in a particular puzzle. Uh, and that's totally fine. Um, and that helps because it 
you know, what might, you know, if you have like three different verbs and three different spots for verbs, you might think, oh, well, I'll just try three different configurations here or whatever. But, um, but that's not really the case. You know, in many cases, there are tokens that go completely unused that you might get in the, in the course of investigating things. Um, so it's not just a matter of like figuring out, well, if this goes here, then this other thing must go there. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you might have situations where you're using the same thing many times, especially names, because a lot of the times you'll have these like paragraph long thing to fill in and it mentions the same character by name multiple times. Yeah. So you can use grammar and syntax to troubleshoot, but it's not going to solve the puzzle for you by right. any means, which is not the, I mean, there have been other times where puzzles where you can, uh, just back solve after you get one word because, you know, limited inputs limited verbs make sense that's with that reuse mechanic it opens it wide up you actually really need to think to solve the puzzles which is the point like that's mm -hmm. the fun part and the the fun part of it is also that like a lot of the puzzle isn't just there, there's there's a lot of different kinds of thinking involved in in solving these because it's not always just like figuring out a timeline and uh, and you know putting okay if this person is in the garden then they can't have been in the you know in the the dining room or something like that that kind of problem solving does exist in this. But there's also thinking about people's motivations and thinking about things that have happened in previous sections of the game. And sometimes there's like little bits that bring in new kinds of thinking. Um, there's a, a, a sort of late game, uh, you know, chapter where most of what you're doing is math. Uh and surprisingly enough, that was actually one of the more fun chapters. <laughs> so like there's all it'll throw curveballs at you. Like uh you know, you you'll get a new clue that tells you some new interesting thing, and you realize, oh, I've got a new kind of puzzle that I have to do to figure out you know this particular part uh, of the uh of the board or whatever. It's really clever and it's constantly changing things up. So even though every chapter is essentially the same in that like you are seeing a murder or otherwise death scene and collecting a bunch of kind of, you know, word clues out of the scene and then placing them into slots. Um, the kind of puzzle that you're doing, the head puzzle, the brain side of this is different for everyone. Yeah. And I think that I really appreciated the variety and that you're doing a lot of the same mechanics, but the, the path through the world is slightly different. Uh, sometimes you're tracing keys. Sometimes you are uh, trying to, you know, frantically look through 18,000 people's pockets and looking at dates. Um, there's lots of little things. Um, you're not always investigating the same things, the same people or the same, you know, uh, objects for lack of a better word. I'm trying to say it's very hard to talk about mystery games without spoiling the mystery, but that's also part of the fun. Um, there's a lot more there um, and richness than you'd think. And again, I do have an entire page of, of math problems. It's just addition. Don't let math scare you. <laughs> Honestly, don't get, don't let the deduction scare you either. I, it's not that hard. Yeah. It, it, I'm pretty confident that I would not have finished Obradin on my own. Like I, I barely scraped by that with have. the it's, assistance it, of Laura. Obradin is just as much an observation game as it is a deduction game. Yeah. And if you don't see something, you're going to get frustrated. It was much harder. This one felt a lot easier. Even, you know, it was it was very good playing through it with you, Laura, because like it, it you know, it helped a lot. But I still felt very smart playing it. <laughs> That's oh, what you I, want, right? I mean, we were both externalizing. So you were checking to be like, no, that makes no sense, vice versa. Um, 
we did mm. get very loopy on the last day and we were like, we're very tired. Let's stop. Show back up, played the last session and we were light years better. Yeah. At, at don't play it mystery. sleepy is, is don't the play problem. it sleepy. Um, bad call. But yeah, it's a it's an incredible game. Um, I, I would definitely recommend folks check this one out. I don't know how much else there is to say about it that we can talk about without spoilers. So we are going to have a post spoiler break section in this one. Yeah, um, the only thing I want to say before a spoiler break uh, is that um, when I was doing a little bit of research to the developers, they used our favorite phrase, which is mm. games that respect the player's time. Um, they said they were fan. Oberden is one they won because they wanted quote games that respect the player's time and give them agency throughout the entire process. So yeah. just wanted to like, we say that phrase all the time and it's really nice to hear someone else say it, <laughs> including these Latvian developers. <laughs> Excellent. So um, on that note, this game does respect your time. I think it's a little longer than, it's shorter than Oberden. By a lot. It, I, I think I, I looked at our Steam clock because we we played this entirely on... By the way, like this is something that I, uh, I, I... I'm not sure how many folks, you know, do this very often. But this is a great game to play with a friend over a stream. Mm -hmm. um, because everything moves really slowly and is static, you're really never going to be fighting with lag or compression. And the audio is important to the game? Yeah. And it's even, nice. It's yeah, fine. you can hear the audio like we we did, um, you know, Zoom makes this pretty easy. You can share your screen and check a box to share your computer audio. And that was really easy. Um, and we did that and it was great. Um, but like if you don't have a buddy to play this with on your couch or at your desk, um, maybe see if you have an online buddy who would like to, you know, crack a beer and do some deduction with you. I think it's a really good way to play these kinds of things. Um, but even if you don't, once again, we don't know what the hint system is like. It might be garbage. I hope it's not. I'm sure it's fine. I doubt it's bad. <laughs> I, I, you know, look at other reviews. I'm sure other people have talked about the hint system. Once again, yes, this is a flex that we did not touch the hint system and can't speak to it. Again, um, it's because we played together. So yes, we had we, the... We demolished this game. We, <laughs> we just owned it. Um, I, it also is way easier than Arbor Den. I, it, it's yeah. still challenging. Like, you're still going to have fun. I Easy puzzles that are well-made are still good puzzles. Absolutely. And, simple or it's not a it's not so simple of a mystery that you're going to feel like it wasted your time yeah a puzzle that, that gives you that feeling of like aha and then makes you feel real smart as everything falls into place and suddenly you can put all the pieces together and uh, you know that's great it's a great feeling and this gives you that like on basically every one and it gives you the physicality of an actual puzzle where you're putting everything in the blank and like it's clicking in and then suddenly it locks like it's it's got a nice physicality yeah it's a great interface great. it is very physical i love that so yeah totally recommend folks check this one out i didn't check ahead of time what platforms this is on we played this on steam i think this did come to consoles but let me double check the is that is that true I don't. Nope. Think so. Nope. I was wrong. PC, this game is on Steam and GOG, and that is it right now. That said, it is on uh, Mac, at least the it Steam is on Mac, version. Correct, yes. You can play this on Mac, and that the, version seems totally fine. The demo is Windows only. Hmm. Okay. That's kind of odd, but whatever. I would say just go ahead and buy this thing. Yeah. And um, 
on Steam, the game is, uh, well, actually, it's currently on sale for 20% off. So it's normally $17.99, but currently on sale for $14.39. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, that's part of apparently Steam Mystery Fest. I don't know how that long, long that's going on. Uh, this is going to be a week or so before we release this episode. So probably that particular sale will be gone. Um, but I think this is still totally uh, a buy it at uh, $17.99. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great game. Uh, I, I really, really liked it. And uh, I would okay. definitely recommend it to anybody. Um, it apparently does have some kind of controller support. We play this entirely with keyboard and mouse. But if you're on a Steam Deck, this is listed as playable and has full controller support. So that's nice. Um, don't know exactly how that works, but seems doable, I guess. Uh, I would recommend a mouse. Um, and, uh, looking at our steam clock, I believe this took us about six and a half hours to finish, which is less than I was expecting. I think, um, a lot of the times, uh, our, our amount of time that we take to play a game ends up being quite a bit longer than the Mm -hmm. estimates at how long to beat, but we actually beat the how long to beat time, uh, on this one, which makes me feel great. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Oh yeah, man. We felt smart doing it. I also think part of that is when you're tired, you stopped. Um, I think almost every time I have played a puzzle or mystery game for way longer than I should have, just take take breaks. Mm -hmm. Take breaks. Um, it's, it's divided into chapters in a way that makes it very, very good. So like if you, if you're having really banging your head against the wall on a chapter, just go to sleep, (laughs) just go take a nap. I mean, we, and again, the chapters are independent. So independent, we accidentally played a chapter ahead. Yeah, um, that's an odd uh, thing. I was surprised the game let ahead. us do. Yeah, yeah the, the game is separated into four acts. Sorry, four chapters. And within each chapter, there are three acts. And within the chapter, you can play the acts in any order, which I didn't realize. And we ended up doing them slightly out of order by mistake, which was no big deal. Um, well, the characters do move throughout it. So I can see you wanting to go back and look at things, which we yeah, did a couple of times. But it is a bit of it was, yeah, being able to jump back and forth is nice. Like if you remember, OK, well, what was this guy's name? You can go back and look at it from a previous chapter. That's very nice to be able to do. Um, but uh, like it's also um, it's nice to be able to skip a chapter and go back to it if you want. Like if mm-hmm. you're, you know, if you really do get stuck on one, you could go ahead and and then come back to it later. I'm not sure it would make a huge difference. It's not like, like you know, the they casually drop the details in chapter three for what happened in chapter two. Um, you know, it's the not going to storyline will make more sense if you go in order, but that's yes. the case for almost all media across time and space. Yes. And talking about the storyline, um, it is 12 total chapters, but it's really 11 numbered chapters and an epilogue. Um, and I won't spoil like specifically what's going on, obviously, but I liked the structure of this where there is, you know, you learn what happened in each of these tableaus along the way. Um, and there is an overarching story, but there are details of that overarching story that only the observant will be picking up on. It's possible to miss certain important details of the story. And um, chapter, or sorry, you know, the chapter 12 or epilogue chapter is uh, is where it kind of tests you on that. It's kind of a like final exam. An open book test. Yes. Where if you can't fill it in, you can go back and look and actually find out the meta story you missed, which I really yeah. appreciate because that's half the fun was figuring yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. And by the time out. we got there, like we had figured all this stuff out and it was kind of fun to just say, yeah, yeah, no, we got it. Oh, we, we got figured it. this out. But if you had missed it, I think that would have been a really it nice It would have been moment. a fun reveal. Yeah. So I, I loved the structure of it overall. I think that this is, uh, you know, it's really, really well done. Um, 
it's funnier and goofier than I expected. I was <laughs> there were some bits of it that were really laugh out loud funny. And if you play with Reagan, he does voices for all the characters and reads the letters, and it's so charming. I think we thought we might use the audio in this uh, episode, but like, man, no, it, that's getting buried. We did we was, did record a was, little of it. It but. made. Dear listeners, it made my heart sing when Reagan read all the notes and fun voices. I've been to doing me. a lot of reading to my kids lately, and it's got me in a reading in voices mood. So I don't know. I just started doing that, and I don't know. I was like, well, I guess I'll continue it. Otherwise, I have to explain to Laura why I'm doing it. Well, I think every time you did it, it made me like so visibly happy that you couldn't stop. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So you know, play it, play it with your uh, with your. Uh, your best buddy who likes to do voices, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, anything left to say about this game before we? Uh, I, do we have time for a what's making us happy this week? We do. Uh, the only thing this game's rad. Play it. It's rad. Play it. Um, we totally recommend it. Laura, what's making you happy this week? I have been uh, bouncing around doing a lot of little things this week that are making me happy. Uh, for example. Uh, before watching old movies, going and looking up the Turner Classic Movie introductions on YouTube where I watched them. Um, that is incredibly happy inducing, by the way. If you're just like, I would like a two minute intro before I hit play on my HBO Max movie, um, highly endorse that. Um, but I think the thing that's made me happiest overall is um, we started watching Northern Exposure of all things. <laughs> Um, which is a TV show from the 90s. Um, It's not streaming anywhere, but you can get a DVD of it from your library, which is what we did. Um, And it is about a doctor from New York who goes to Alaska because they paid um, his medical bills. That was like a network comedy from like 1994 or something, right? It's really old, but like that was like Frasier contemporary or something. It's one of those things people talk about like, it's one of those lost shows where like they can't stream it because the music is too good. The music is really good. Um, I didn't realize that was why we're not hearing from it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but you can, you know, just get a box set um, and watch it. It's, it's, it's funny. The theme song sounds so Stardew Valley-esque because it's Calypso and it's got like, (laughs) it's got like a harmonica and it sounds like Stardew Valley. So I get this like rush and there's a moose walking around. The reason we started watching this is because we were watching an episode of the Simpsons and a moose was walking down the street and they were playing a Calypso song. And my husband goes, I bet that's a Northern exposure joke. Played the Northern exposure theme song. And he was like, should we watch that show? (laughs) So welcome. Like everybody can scream at me to watch the last of us. And we are like, why don't we go watch a show that literally nobody's talking about? Um, It's very joy inducing. It's very chill. It's very philosophical. Like it's an ensemble Comedy, it is not brought at all. Um, it's incredibly, uh, it's way kinder than you'd think. People have read Walt Whitman over the radio and talked about, you know, dying. And people have talked about like finding yourself in the wilderness. And it's for three episodes in, it is absolutely wild. I can't believe this was on network TV. I've never seen a show like this. Maybe is Slings it- and Arrows. Maybe, it feels Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that was Canadian. They do things different up there. Yeah. Um, although isn't isn't uh 
isn't that set in? No, it's not. I was thinking it's set in Canada, but no, it's like Upper Peninsula or something, right? Where's yeah, it? Yeah, Northern Exposure is uh, Alaska. That's it. Okay, that's where it was. Um, yeah, I knew it was somewhere cold. I was like, is it Canada? Yeah, it's, the it's premise is that uh, the state of Alaska paid for his medical school at Columbia in exchange for four years of uh, working, and so he thought he'd be in Anchorage. And he was so he did all this research and was like, Alaska's not bad. There's movie theaters. There's theater. Like Anchorage is a pretty cool city. And then they send him to the quote Alaskan Riviera um, <laughs> to be you know, the that only. Sounds like fun. There, yeah, things were different on network television back in the in the like '90s and and early 2000s. Like you get you had some pretty good stuff on there. Back it's then. just such a hangout show, and like I, I always like having a hangout show in my back pocket of like. Man, I just want to spend time to these people. Like, what are what are these crazy kooks going to get into? And this is way less cynical than a lot of modern hangout shows are. Like, it's not as uh, doesn't have a, a huge heart like Ted Lasso or something. But it's also there's no stakes like in Ted Lasso. There's just mm. people are just hanging. It's Alaska. There's no plot. It's episodic TV. What more do you want? People are just hanging is very good for network TV budgets, you know? Don't, See don't if your library a has sets. a box set of Northern Exposure. It will make you happy. Yeah, or find it in other ways. Or find it in other ways, which might be how I found <laughs> the rest of the deep. <laughs> but, you know, those who don't want to do other means, libraries do have well, speaking this. of Speaking of throwbacks, you know, uh, watching throwback media that you haven't seen in a long time. Um, my what's making me happy. I, I, I'm pretty limited on options for what my what's making me happy this week stuff this week because like everything that I'm really enjoying right now is stuff that I'm still really early in. So I don't I'm not like I just started a new book and I'm too early in it to know whether I really like it or not. I started some new anime. I'm too early in it to tell whether I'm like it or not mm-hmm. or whether I'm willing to like you know, put my neck out for something that could turn really gross, like anime in particular, you really have to be sure before you start recommending it, right? Oh, yeah, there's a couple ones I've started, but I haven't even talked to Reagan about them yet, because I need to know that I like them before. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to be like, you know, recommend a show, and it turns out in thir- in, in like four episodes, it's like, oh, there's oh. some really gross stuff in here. Um, I mean, I, 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 this lasts for most shows, ever since I recommended Outlander, to somebody as a very sexy show. And then I was like, oh no, it has so much rape in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, uh, so the safe bet for me, um, the only other media I engaged with this week, um, I can't say this, the media itself made me happy, but there was a discovery with it that made me happy. I already posted about this on Mastodon. So hopefully that's, you know, but hopefully it's still kosher for me to share it here. Um, We watched Shrek with my kids for the first time. Uh, oh. recently um and i it, had, it i hadn't seen shrek probably since it came out like shrek came out in 2001 which is farther back than i realized like that's an old movie we we decided to watch it because we got the shrek picture book from the library and mm. my son really really liked it for some reason uh, obviously the book is very very different from the movie it's very funny too um, but it's a totally different vibe totally different character totally different story the only commonality is there's a weird ogre there's a princess and there's a donkey but the donkey is just you know he rides the donkey for a minute it's not a you know <laughs> not a like a wisecracking donkey but anyway we watch shrek and there's a moment in the middle of the movie where um, Shrek is sad. I think he pissed off the princess or something. And there is a long, I'm talking long 
um, what's the word? Um, like, uh, like montage, mm-hmm. a sad montage set to, I don't know, whatever cover of Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. I think it's the Jeff Buckley version. Um, it is the... Or is it the um, Rufus Wainwright version? It's the I don't... K- uh, uh, John Cale, I think, oh, okay. version. I, I may have the wrong I name. don't remember. It's been um, so long since I've seen Shrek. Yeah, John Cale. So according to the... So this is why I... Because I, I, I saw this movie and I, I thought... And I laughed because like, to me, long, sad, um, you know, uh, scenes in movies set to Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen is a bit it is a joke right because that is a that is a film cliche and to me in the in the movie shrek it played like a bit i thought it was a joke and i was laughing and then it kept going and kept going and it was very long and very sincere and i was like i actually didn't realize that this uh that this was a, enough of a film cliche in 2001 to be a bit in Shrek. So I went and looked it up. I pulled up the Wikipedia article for Hallelujah, Leonard mm-hmm. Cohen song. And the second paragraph says, the song achieved widespread popularity after Kale's version of it was featured in the 2001 film <laughs> Shrek. And I was like, wait, this is where that comes from? You that found- comes from Shrek? Like, like obviously the song predates it, but like the you like long patient sad- zero. Yeah. It's patient zero of the weird long sad uh you know film scene set a montage set to uh, hallelujah you know when i think of this I, I think of sitting in the theater in 2009 which isn't that long later Mm-mm. um watching watchmen, watchmen yeah and they do that sincerely the mm-hmm. exact same song a long sad monologue to uh, and i laughed my ass off i thought like they're doing this cliche and apparently it went from like totally sincere thing in Shrek to something that was so cliched that people were doing it sincerely in the Watchmen in 2009 in, in like eight years. That's wild to me. And I just thought that was such a strange discovery. I hope that you enjoy knowing that too. Now Um, this has gone. So this has gone in multiple loops in the figure skating world about whether or not it's okay to do hallelujah or like whether people think you're tacky. <laughs> like, it's, a, it's a tacky song to use in any context now, in my opinion. Like, it's a beautiful song, don't get me wrong. But like, don't do things set to that song anymore. It's a, it's over. It's, it's, it's done, guys. Even if you're going to place first in nationals to it. This is a subtweet for nobody who's listening to this podcast. <laughs> no one else watches women's figure. Women. Like, I don't know. Figure. I don't know your reference, but I co-sign. Um, a, a very nice woman won nationals and got uh, uh, sent to the Olympics for for figure training to Hallelujah, and I was like, and everyone was kind of like, oh, but it's it's, it's Hallelujah at the end of the day, like. Mm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, rediscovering Shrek was a weird experience for me, and uh, I recommend it. If you haven't seen Shrek since 2001, which I think I probably hadn't, or maybe a, like, you know, 2003 or something, like definitely back there. Um, I won't say it holds up, but my kids liked it. And then so. watch How to Train a Dragon before they bastard it with a live action adaptation. And Is that happening? Yeah, they've they've um really? they've optioned it for live action, and they're they're going to destroy what Hiccup looks like. I think they're going to make the like, Hiccup is perfect, and they're going to have to make Hiccup look real, and it's going to look so bad. Oh man, I oh. don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a weird one. 
those movies were all right. I actually did watch that with my kids a while back. I, I think they were a little too young for it. They weren't super into it, but um, I thought it was cute. I'll, I'll probably show it to them again. Yeah. Um, One of the best yeah. soundtracks of film, period. That's really hyperbolic, but I stand by That's it. That's a take. It's okay. a really good soundtrack. Like, All right. Like... Uh, I didn't. I can't think of a single song off of it. So I, it's it's, uh, a, it's orchestral. So okay, um, okay. There's one that know. they play while they're flying on the dragon, and it's just a beautiful piece of music. So like extra making you happy. Go listen to. So the track is test drive. It is absurdly good. Huh. Who'd have thunk? Well, that's it for this episode of The Short Game before we run to our spoiler break. So here's the outro stuff. If you're jumping off at this point, which if you haven't played The Golden Idol, I would recommend jumping off at this point. Uh, so here before we leave you, um, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net or we have a kind of a links page at shortgame.omg.lol, which is a great place to jump off to all of our other stuff. So you can find links to subscribe to or review the show on all of the various different podcast platforms there with just an easy click. You can find links to all of our socials. You know, I'm on Mastodon. Uh, Laura is on Mastodon and Twitter. Other folks' links are on there too. Um, you can find a link to our Patreon. Our show is supported by our patrons. Thank you, patrons. Thank you so much. And, um, if you are a patron of the show, you get immediate access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the show. We plan episodes there. We talk about the games we've been playing. Uh, we just you know, talk about other stuff, too. Uh, it's a good place to hang on the internet, and we would love to have you. Even at just a dollar a month, you get in there. Um, and if you support at a higher level, like $5 a month, I will send you some short, short game stickers. Uh, love to do that. So uh, also, I mentioned this on the last episode. Um, we have a short game shirt. Uh, if you uh, want short game merch, um, you know, I put out all the caveats before they still stand. Um, we went with Cotton Bureau. Cotton Bureau makes really nice stuff, but it's it's kind of pricey for the kind of merch we're talking about. So we understand if that's an issue for you, mm -hmm. that's cool. Um, we don't make a ton of money on these shirts or anything, but the shirt is available on Cotton Bureau. We will have a, a link. You can also get it in the form of a hoodie or a sweatshirt, and there's some various options in terms of colors. It's got our beautiful artwork on there. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's a great way if you don't want to do a recurring thing with the podcast, and uh, and sign up for uh, for our Patreon. Um, you know, we'd love to have you there, but I understand. But if you want another way to support the show, uh, you can buy one of these shirts. And that's a cool thing. And you can wear that around and everyone will think, wow, what a cool and interesting person wearing that interesting logo. Uh, we would love for you to do that. <laughs> um, or a onesie. I don't think or, no yeah. one's bought a onesie, including no Reagan. One, oh my um, god! I forgot they do one. I need to get. A, I need to get a shirt game onesie. Before do a onesie my kid grows before out your, being your able kid outgrows it. Yes. I wonder if I wonder if they do kid sized t shirts. I don't think they do. If they Maybe. do, I, if they do, I'm ordering one. That's I got to do that. Yes. Um, yeah. Lots of nice options there. Um, and if you are a patron and you want a little discount on it, um, reach out uh, and uh, we'll make it happen. Um, so let's see. Uh, any last stuff, Laura, before we uh, uh, go to spoilers? No, let's go talk about all the mysteries that you should solve on your own because this game yes. is very good. Yes, but we're going to talk about basically the story, everything we uncovered in the mysterious plot of Curse of the Golden Idol. So, or case, keep mixing that up. Going to do it forever. So, uh, listeners, here it is your spoiler break. Um, I was not expecting complete counterfactual history of the British government in this game. <laughs> 
I did not expect the overthrow of law and order. I did not um, expect marching on the palace to overthrow the king. But, but they <laughs> didn't finish it because the guy decided to run a dumb errand. Mm. Do not multitask on your way to the castle. Mm-hmm. When you have the secret of immortality and are about to take over the government of the greatest empire of your age. Don't decide uh, to go kidnap a lady on the way. No, no. Yeah, you've Focus. got guys for that. <laughs> <laughs> you've got guys. You at least got your one guy who does mm-hmm. everything for you. Why didn't why did it's, you go personally? I don't know. It's so strange. Um I loved the I loved the like the the golden idol. Like I love that early on we learned the like mystery of the golden idol is it has weird buttons on the back and it will do magical shit for you and mm-hmm. like that was that was fun in a very puzzly way and also was like also a bit of a wink and a nod of a like this is not serious this is goofy puzzle game you know bullshit because it's like, a thing you, you'd find in an escape room it is it's like a it's like a dial a magic power like and then they do such goofy stuff with it through the whole thing like you know it's like oh well you know uh, i want to make a bomb by expanding the air inside of a container until it bursts or, i'm gonna stick this in a cane and pogo stick right it fly around like an idiot like <laughs> oh my god it's so dumb that i love the golden idol it's such a goofy little like um like you know you think with a game like this oh okay well obviously the golden idol is important it's gonna be this uh it's gonna be like the, the the you know what what's the word it's the MacGuffin. everyone's gonna try to get it right and, and of course that's true first, but it's also so goofy and the first thing you see it do is spontaneous human combustion and you're like wow the massive destructive powers <laughs> and the next thing is like blowing up a vase <laughs> Flying, like, <laughs> flying like a goofball, making an apple die, like it just. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, then of course the secret of immortality, and we mm-hmm. of course use that to overthrow the government by siphoning, uh, siphoning uh, years of life off of people that you disapprove of and giving them to your buddies to make them younger, mm-hmm. um, which is a really fun and dumb. Uh, I mean, I say this dumb in a totally affectionate way, like it's a it's a fun plot. Um, and I, I thought it was really cool that it was able to like, um, it, it felt like a slow burn of goofiness. Like it got goofier the longer it went on, but also like larger in scale. So like it was, it felt like a big turn when, I don't know, at the end, at the beginning of, I think it was chapter three, suddenly they're like taking over the government or like there's the secret society stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I forget exactly where in the plot that kind of, but it, it felt like, like oh they're going here with that it that's went wild from, it went from ca- like inns and cabins to and you know secret things passed down within a family yeah right? to big initiation to i am the messiah <laughs> i am the messiah and let me take over the the british to crown the government is overthrown <laughs> it was like a very fast i was like wow that escalated quickly it um, really did <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I also really liked the like there's the central mystery of like um obviously like like well you know what's the deal with um Edmund Cloudsley slash Lazarus Hurst. Um and I think we figured that out relatively early, but like it, it is a cool reveal of like, oh, this old guy from chapter one and this young guy from chapter like six are the same guy because he's using the idol to to move years around. There's a cutscene after you see Evan Cloudsley in a uh, 
trunk, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, yes. hiding. And then in a cutscene, his servant says he died. And so we were like, oh, cool. He got murdered off screen <laughs> by this corrupt dude. And then, you know, later little on, did we know. Little did you know it was a cover up, mm. um, which is just, you know, uh, turns out that if someone's name is Lazarus, you should pay attention. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe that's important. Which we didn't get for like a an act or two. We didn't yeah, make that. We late. figured it out eventually, but like you know, before the end of the game, certainly. But like I think maybe we could have figured it, it out. We a could have invented it sooner, but um, the again, we weren't zooming in on faces and stuff like that. So, and we did take a break, big break between, uh, like a third of the way in. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, we kind of so we weren't primed on days. faces, but like, yeah, uh, yeah and also people got older, and yet people got older at a reasonable rate. Like this, this takes place over a course of about forty years, and mm-hmm. and some of the characters get older in ways that you you know you don't immediately recognize them, and some of them get younger in ways that you don't immediately recognize them. So, um, it's still it's still something to put together, which is um, great. I really liked that part. Um, yeah, just a rad. I did not think that. The downfall would be this woman who drinks lemonade at the party. That was very silly. Yeah, very silly. That like, like I thought she was a totally inconsequential character. I was surprised surprised when she showed up for even a second chapter, and then the fact that like the end of the the story basically hinged on you know who she's dating. And that idiot from the first chapter who's like, oh, a man's on fire. (laughs) Ends up being important. Keeps coming back. Very funny. I loved it. I love this game. I liked the story. I had a lot of fun. Laura, thank you for playing this one with me. It was a delight. It was, it was a very indeed. good time. All right. And um, for folks who are still listening, I'll, I'll mention here that we're pretty sure our next episode is going to be about Hi-Fi Rush, which is a lot of fun. It's a rhythm-based action game, uh, you know, sort of combat action, you know, with platforming and sort of arena battles with robots, very cartoony style. Um, but the, the hook is... All of your attacks are on the beat, um, and it's got a very particular style of music, which is like the stuff that people who thought they were cool were listening to ten years ago. Um, but uh, but it's you know I, I I thought I was cool ten years ago. Yeah, I was gonna say so us. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, so it's it's a it's a rhythm game that did not make me feel out of touch, and that the children are wrong. In fact, I uh, I'm enjoying all of the music myself. Um, so uh, I really am having a lot of fun with that, and it's on uh, Game Pass. Uh, it's uh, it's from Bethesda and whatever the the, the little sub studio or whatever. That's um, so it's, it's a it's a weird little game. We're enjoying it, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be our next one. Um, if you are sort of trying to play ahead, um, otherwise, thanks a lot for joining us on this episode of the Short Game. <laughs>